नमस्कार मेरा नाम है अभास आई एम अ प्रैक्टिसिंग एडवोकेट एंड दिस पॉडकास्ट इज अ नॉलेज शेयरिंग इनिशिएटिव ऑफ माय चेंबर्स टू रीच आउट टू द नेक्स्ट जनरेशन ऑफ स्टूडेंट्स लॉयर्स पॉलिसी मेकर्स एंड लीडर्स हु आर इंटरेस्टेड इन अंडरस्टैंडिंग द लॉ यहां आपको मिलेंगे कुछ कानूनी किस्से कहानियां व्याख्यान एंड सम फूड फॉर थॉट सो विदाउट फर्दर डू सफर शुरू करते हैं Boston Consulting Group or BCG as it is called is one of the world's largest management consulting firm. It is known to have one of the toughest hiring processes because they tend to hire the best talents from elite institutes. Par hum iski baat kyon kar rahe hain? Wo isliye ki it is my privilege to introduce you to Stuti Goyal ji. She is currently the senior manager of strategy and operations at BCG while also taking care of its legal functions. You heard it right. she manages operations works on growth process planning design and user feedback while also being responsible for developing tools systems training and workflow management for attorneys ye maine short mein samjhaya hai aapko when i heard everything that she actually does i hope that they pay her really well anyway i know stuti for almost a decade and a half when we met as volunteers for teaching the underprivileged children in the slums of pune but we have not been able to sit down and have a proper conversation for the longest time this is one of the reasons i do the show it gives me excuses to catch up with friends new and old this episode also serves my selfish ends as she gives me tips and advice on how to improve the working at my chambers i hope i do not receive a bill for that because i only intend to pay her back in chole samose You will have to listen to the entire episode to collect all the pearls of wisdom that she so graciously offers. I also take this opportunity to give a huge shout out to all our subscriber brethren and particularly to Bhuvan too who left a positive review on iTunes and called this audio channel fresh. He is a soldier and a lawyer and says that he really relates to the content. You can also leave ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. तो अब बिना देरी के शुरुआत करते हैं आज की बातचीत की वेलकम स्तुति सो एक्साइटेड टू हैव यू ओवर हाय अभास थैंक यू सो मच फॉर हैविंग मी ऑन योर पॉडकास्ट इट्स माय प्लेजर एंड इट्स बीन अ रियली रियली लॉन्ग टाइम सिंस वी हैव टॉक्ड सो वी हैव अ लॉट ऑफ कैचिंग अप टू डू बट द फर्स्ट थिंग दैट वी डू ऑन आवर पॉडकास्ट इज दैट वी डिस्कस द ओरिजिन स्टोरी ऑफ आवर गेस्ट सो कुड यू टेल अस अ लिटिल बिट अबाउट वेयर यू कम फ्रॉम योर पेरेंट्स योर फैमिली एंड अ लिटिल बिट ऑफ योर बैकग्राउंड विल बी रियली ग्रेट absolutely uh so i am from jodhpur which is the blue city of india but but i have grown and been educated in schools between delhi and jodhpur both so uh most latest i did my plus 2 from delhi public school jodhpur and after that i went to law school in pune in fa- in my family i i live with my husband in gurgaon and um, i have a sister who is currently in milan i i think from here the story just goes to law school but could you just tell us what made you decide on law because were your parents from legal background or did you have mm. somebody in your family to guide you with respect to that because this is we are talking about pre clad days yeah yeah absolutely so i i used to get that a question a lot a long long time ago uh and um, just to think about it again today i think that was the time when everybody in plus 2 was either a commerce person or a science person and not many thought about 
opting for law as a career. And that was a time when the national law schools were still mushrooming and legal profession as a career, as an interest was still work in progress. Uh, so just like everybody else around me, I started my 11th class with a passion of going on to become an engineer from an IIT. Uh, but thankfully, I had an intervention. So no, I don't come from a background of lawyer families. Um, but I do, do have the privilege of mingling with a few friends, um, I should say my parents' friends who were lawyers, and kind enough to steer me in that way and make me think about something that was non-science non-commerce. So um, even as I started preparing for the science field of entrance examinations, I started thinking about law as a career option, I think in the middle of my class 11th. And thank God for that. Uh, what stirred me that side was really how somebody told me about it, right? So they said, everything begins with law and everything ends with law. Think of a company that's incorporated under the company's act and thinks of, think of it as it's wound up again under an act and under some sections. So that was very interesting. Uh, of course, they took a very basic example at the time, but it just made sense more and more as I went through everything. So that was the starting factor. And then later on, uh, it... It just, you know, as you, as I started preparing for the entrance exams, at the time we were just, you know, given basic concepts of contract law and tort law, which are both super interesting, you know, uh, the absolute liability case, the strict liability case, as I think about it. So that just became more and more interesting and then went away the science discussion, enter legal career and uh, the rest, I shouldn't say is history because it's really the present. But could you tell us a little bit about your parents as well? What did your father and mm -hmm. mother do? Uh, so that we know, because a lot of our audiences, they relate really well to that particular aspect of our <laughs> guests. Because what happens is they come from such varied backgrounds. We need to make yeah. sure that they know that you can be successful wherever you come from. So that's the only reason I'm asking that. Absolutely. Happy to. So my uh, mother has done her master's in chemistry. And uh, at the time she was into managing the, the business there with my father. My father is now into career guidance and financial literacy. Uh, at the time also, he was he's always been in the field of education. So like I said, absolutely no relationship that I had uh, in understanding somebody who was a lawyer in the family and what they were doing. But nonetheless, I am so glad and so fortunate that they were supportive and they found me all the information that I needed to take a sound decision about what I want to do next. So they were super supportive in finding the resources to help me take the right decision. They made me meet some lawyers at the time. They made me meet some students who were pursuing a career at the time. And that's my suggestion, recommendation to uh, the listeners also, if, if they are students, that they should, before they decide whether they want to do this as a career, uh, practicing law, or being involved with the legal profession in any way, talk to different people in different areas of law practice. So whether it be a student who is pursuing legal studies from a college, a student who is perhaps doing his master's in law uh, in India, outside, uh, somebody from the law firm world, somebody from uh, a company's corporate legal cell, somebody who's, if possible, also a sitting judge in one of the courts. It really gives you an understanding of what your arenas are after you're done with the course. 
and how people are doing in the various fields. And I'm also going to say that now, and I'm going to talk about this a lot later on in my uh, discussion with you, but there are so many emerging fields also, right? I mean, the field that I am in is neither of the ones that I mentioned. It's around legal strategy and operations. So also talk to somebody in that field. But, but very important for somebody who's a student to evaluate properly and understand what their options are on the other side of the legal uh, degree. Right. I think it also helped that you come from a city which has a high court <laughs> in it uh, because then, then the exposure expands multiple. So if you are from okay. a smaller town, you still can access people who are in the profession, uh, perhaps not to the same degree, but you'll be surprised mm. at how many people are willing to help. And that's something that we lack. Sometimes we just think that, you know, these people are so big, so busy, they'll not be helpful to us. But more and more people that I have found, they are happy to help uh, youngsters and guide them. Uh, Absolutely. And, and what you're saying is true at the time that we were doing this research. But today with social media and the professional networks that LinkedIn offered, I have so many people reach out, reaching out to me through DMs asking for advice. And I'm always happy to say, yes, let me talk, over, talk to you over the weekend. So I think now there is even more ease of access to the kind of people you want to speak with. And then you just need to know really one or two people in the industry and they'll be happy to connect you with all the other kinds of people that I mentioned. So it's just becoming easier. You just have to have the right approach and at all times regard for the other person's time because if they're giving you time, uh, that should be respected as well. So uh, I think it's very possible to reach out to different people in different cities. Yes, agree at the time I was fortunate to have the court in my city and you know access to that kind of people but today I think that's no longer a barrier and I think COVID has taught us many more ways of reaching out virtually to people and uh, professionals. Which is what we are doing right now so thank you for sparing your time <laughs> I really respect it and there you heard all the audiences no excuse now with all the social media at your command. So how did you zero down on this particular college which was you know and still is when a the best private institutes to teach law. Mm -hmm. But how did you decide which law college to join? Absolutely. So uh, like you mentioned at the time, they did not have CLAT. Uh, so we had to write entrance exams for all colleges separately. And uh, there were only a handful of national law schools in India at the time. I think I remember four or five. So of course, I took the exams for every college, which was a lot. I, I remember I wrote exams for about 15 to 16 colleges from different locations, Delhi, uh, Jodhpur, different places. Yeah. I also missed some dates because I fell yeah. ill on some of the dates. Yeah, sometimes so, they even used to be on the same day. Exactly. Same day, same overlapping hours. So I also missed a few. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I got in a couple of the colleges, but I narrowed down on some biases law school, Pune, because of, again, all the research that I did. I spoke to a lot of people and not just the college, the city matters, not just the city, the faculty matters, and not just the faculty, the alums matter. So you also do a research on the alumni base, you do a research on um, what the college offers, on what the facilities of the college are, what are the sister arms of the college that you could possibly engage with uh, in terms of networking, in terms of the people that you will meet, because at the end of the day, it's a wholesome experience. You will not be spending 24 hours in the college. You would be uh, hopefully interacting with different people around you. And I, I think that really helped because Symbiosis as an umbrella, Symbiosis International University has so many other streams of 
courses also that they offer that I could meet different people from different streams, understand what they're doing, what options there are. I remember I, I found a great friend and somebody who was from, who was pursuing a course in mass communication, uh, which unfortunately at the time I did not know was an option to pursue, but nonetheless, I found out about it once I went there to the city. And then Pune as a city is great. So I think it was that plus, I think my parents comfort to send me to a city that was Pune and to a university that were, that had the brand of symbiosis behind it. It, it. It's a difficult decision at the time to take, but I think with all the research, um, I'm, I'm glad that I take that decision at the time. So this is the first time you're staying away from the family because you did mention yes. that you kept shuttling between Delhi and Jodhpur. Okay, so but this is the first time you're staying away from your parents. Away from the family, yes, absolutely. Okay. And do you have any siblings? I do. I have a sister who lives oh, in right. Milan. She, yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, she's, uh, she's, she's uh, a professional in visual design. So it's totally oh, away from wonderful. what I do. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. Uh, I don't understand her work, and uh, understandably, she doesn't understand mine. But uh, we have come to terms with it. <laughs> That's wonderful. So could you tell us uh, a little bit about your college journey? How was it? And uh, then we can discuss about what all things we can learn from your journey. Absolutely. I think five years was jam-packed with a lot of uh, learning, fun, friends, peers, um, interactions with faculty, college classes as well as everything else around it so I, I don't think I have a story around a different very different than others but of course uh, in a law college it goes along with uh, mood code sessions in competitions it goes along with participating in legal essay writing competitions uh, it also goes around along with working on different projects with different faculties if there's a chance uh, I remember doing one with my family law professor uh, it also goes along with, I think, uh, the whole experience of engaging with alumni and working in different cells. So as part of the placement cell, uh, which is also, I think, very helpful from what I remember, quite taxing because it's a lot of, you know, phone calls to different uh, potential recruiters. But again, a learning experience. And um, then finally, uh, and I, I say it last, but it's definitely not the least. I know it's very important. The internship, you know, you you try to get internships and collect them for your vacation time all through the year and you complete them when it's vacation time. So I also, just like many other uh, students uh, in law colleges, did a couple of internships and I made sure that I did them across the arena. I did an internship with an NGO, which was uh, working in rights for girl child. Then I went to do an internship with an advocate who was practicing civil litigation in the high court at Jodhpur. Um, and then I went on to do an internship with Fox Mandel Little in Noida, which was then the law firm experience that I wanted to get. Uh, I was also interning in another year with in the corporate legal cell of Aditya Billa group, uh, which was, again, an experience in itself. I also had the fortune of working with a sitting judge of a high court, um, which was legal clerkship. It was a whole different world of experience because you are on the other side listening to stories and having getting a peek into the mind of a sitting judge is just something else. And then finally, I interned with another firm. This was with Tri-Legal. I think that's where we met <laughs> um, uh, back in the day. So yes, that was, I think, one of the last internships I think I did. So would you suggest that that's one thing that everybody should be very particular about, having different 
experiences during the college days in terms of internships or would you say that you know pick up field do a lot of internships in a single area what what would be your suggestion i always say do it in a lot of different areas because that is the time that you can experiment and decide what you want to do for yourself going forward unless you know really you are that person who knows that i know i want to do this and there's nothing else that i need to try or experiment with very few people know that do that but if you are that one person then don't waste time doing everything else i was not i wanted to find out what everything was what every experience was and i thought at the time i had the luxury uh, of time my, the support of my parents who encouraged me to try everything and give everything time so i i think i am a proponent of trying all of that in your internship time and giving it a shot yeah problem is that at the age of 19 you think you know a lot but sometimes you realize later <laughs> on that you probably don't uh, so yeah. what, uh, so just one question regarding the internships that you did this internship mm. that you talked about the legal clerkship that you did uh, was it in jodhpur mm. high court this was in jodhpur high court yes okay so could you just briefly tell us if somebody wants to do that in jodhpur high court mm. what's the procedure how to apply and how do you how does how does one go i can tell you how i got mine but agar okay. <laughs> it's been so long i don't know if it is still hold validity okay. uh, the process that i went through you know i i went to uh, the bar council office over there i also uh, since i had already interned before that with a high court uh, practicing Lloyd. advocate that also helped me you know i spoke with him and uh, tried to understand who would be interested in taking me on as a clerk and at that time it just involved going from office to office just trying to understand how the ropes work i don't think that will be valid any longer with everything coming so virtual and right. you know compartmentalized so but that's how i got it i reached out to as many people as i could and uh, thankfully one sitting justice sent yes so that worked out that way <laughs> it Perfect. was a written letter it was just a written letter to a lot of people that's wonderful and maybe it still is that easy but just it's just that not many people know about it and and that's why they don't even try and that's what i yeah. always encourage students to do is at least you know what harm could it do if you just write a letter to a judge you know there's none at all yeah and i will not and i will just correct you thing. i did not say it was easy it was just different uh, i did write tons and tons of letters it was not never easy it's just that of course. uh yes you have to decide where you want to try and not get um discouraged if nobody responds right. because that's the most important that thing right and regarding the internships so these involved as you said you worked in a corporate setup you worked in a corporate firm setup Hmm. so did they help you in any way decide that this is what you want to do in future absolutely absolutely this is what helped me i think because like i said i didn't come from a family of lawyers i did not have any background around it so nobody could tell me uh, this is this and this is that so i i don't i can't say that i decided right after it because like you said a 19 year old is not capable of taking such like big lifetime decisions but at least i knew that i need to start with a law firm because that is where i would get a lot of experience in in terms of width, uh, width of work and depth of work uh, so that's where i started right after i graduated from college and as far as mooting and writing is concerned could you tell us a little bit about the kind of writing that you did inside the college and is it helpful for a law student to write and participate in these different writing competitions and moot court competitions or you know oh, yes. you can just take it easy and not do anything <laughs> there is no straight jacket answer unfortunately 
many people who did not write or moot are doing just all right <laughs> and many people who did write and moot are also doing just all right but it's it's definitely an area that you decide as per your interest time and caliber and to decide all of that again i will say experiment so there is so much time in law school uh, experiment writing that legal essay experiment participating in that moot court competition there's so many internal competitions for you to decide if you want to really moot nationally or internationally and there's so many opportunities to participate in in intra college legal essay writing competitions to decide whether you want to pursue that at a national level at an inter college level or in in other competitions but yes for me i think uh i was more inclined towards the writing part because it helped me understand a lot of um, research techniques uh it helped me understand a lot of writing techniques and i went on to write for publication in different magazines at the time also my internships and then also uh, after uh when i was still with a law firm so yes i think i found my area of interest in that writing part and everybody has their own area of interest a few of my friends mooted i also participated you know as a researcher and another one as a speaker in one of the moot court competitions but then like i said you know you experiment across the board in the first few years and then you decide what you want to pursue it can be all one of them or none it's really up to you your design i mean your life your design <laughs> but you will never know unless you at least try it that's that's what i think this brings us to the end of the law college and also uh, did you do any diplomas during the college days would you suggest that yes. because nowadays many many diplomas are available online so could you give your opinion about them also yes again mine was a time unfortunately of just offline colleges and classes so i did do a diploma in cyber law from the asian school of uh, cyber laws in pune itself it was really good i think uh, at the time i really thought it brought down a lot of insight to me uh in terms of what because it was still an evolving thing at the time and um any kind of diploma helps so now that we have so many resources available and so many diplomas available from so many institutes online absolutely 100% i would say one should do them all uh given the time given the resources just try to do as many because even if you don't end up practicing in that area just knowing about it would never ever hurt so this brings us to the end of the law college and then we move on to your professional career so could you tell us yes. about the first office that you joined because you said that you were positive that okay now i want to join a law firm because that's mm-hmm. what's going to give me the width and the depth of work yes. so could you tell us a little bit about the first office and how was your experience in that first office absolutely happy to do so i joined corporate professionals advocates and advisors right after law school and i spent a good for and a half five years there i think yes that much time so uh, as i joined over there i joined the team which worked in commercial contracting and it was a great experience so for anybody i mean for everybody who has done this they know that the first day at work right after college is an eye opener uh, you've really dreamt of the day coming but never imagined it could be that different uh, that said 
I, I think I found great mentors and friends at that first place of work. And I thankfully still in touch with them. Uh, so for me, the greatest takeaway from every place of work is to build those relationships and stay in touch and keep talking and keep interacting with people. All right. So uh, but that apart, my um, experience over there. So I was working in, the, in commercial contracting. Um, by working, I mean learning on it. Like I said, first job. So you learn more than you work on. Uh, and then uh, with time, I realized I have like this real good interest um, in the area of intellectual property rights. And that firm also allowed me to branch out in that area, which was really, really great for me. I sort of helped set up with somebody senior in the team, of course. I helped set up that team uh, in that firm. We also started taking IP work a couple of years in after I joined there uh, once things were more set up. So in the area of trademark registration, trademark litigation, uh, and domain name disputes. So all of that happened. And I think that that was a very good trajectory for me because I realized that that is something that interested me and something uh, people told me I could handle well. So then my area of interest became two pronged. One was in commercial contracting and also then in uh, this area of intellectual property rights. I think throughout my time over there, I worked in different teams uh, in the area of commercial work. So that involved due diligences, that involved working with all the in-house company secretaries to understand what they are doing, which really gave me a peek into the compliance side of things also, thankfully. Also got a chance to work on, on a couple of books and publications that the firm was publishing at the time on Companies Act then new 2013. Uh, so, you know, got to, got to do a lot of research, uh, book editing <laughs> from a point of view of publication. So you don't know what, what teaches you, right? Uh, so that uh, also got to work on a couple of websites and tools that the company developed, uh, the firm developed on the subject. So that helped. And then of course, IP. So then running to the IP office all the way to Dwarka uh, at the time, uh, changing metros and those autos, it's, nice memory, uh, going for due diligences to Faridabad from Gurgaon on a road that was not that time in existence. So just on rubble. And uh, at the same time, also participating in high high stake deities from uh, meeting rooms that were codoned off in nice fancy hotels. So uh, everything was an experience. So I, I think, yes, that that overall sums my experience. And then of course, yes, the domain name disputes that I mentioned, right? So I also sort of took that first step of working through the domain name dispute resolution process that exists uh, with the, uh, under the ICANN and the UDRP processes. Thankfully, I won the first case that I filed over there after a lot of um, research and negotiations and discussions. So that was really a pump. And yes, uh, that, that would sort of sum up my experience of that firm that I was there for. All that years so but you spend a substantive chunk of time usually people do not spend four or five years in a single place <laughs> especially the one that they've joined for the first time so what yes. kept you going is it just the learning or the atmosphere or is it a combination of a lot of factors could you tell us a little bit about that i think it's a combination of the width that the work was the opportunity that I got to work on different kind of cases um, and assignments, like I said, you know, are all across commercial contracting, due diligences, um, publications, intellectual property law, which includes trademarks uh, and brand disputes, all of that. I think the kind of work just kept 
me so involved from one time to another that it kept me going in addition to that the mentors and the people that i worked with uh, which is always i think very important and keeps you going you know because day in day out you're working with those people and i got a lot to learn from them and at the same time they also pushed me to grow which was i think conducive to me um as a professional to grow in my area and every day i think was something that brought me discomfort which is great for a professional so that would probably be the reason <laughs> but that's a good learning because you tell us two or three very important things one is that if we give enough space to the freshers to learn and to experience different things they will show us or repay us with the faith and the loyalty and they will continue with your institution also another mm-hmm. thing is that you talk about is that if you expose them to new fields of law like you said company now 2013 it was a new enactment everything was yes. new and therefore you had absolutely wonderful opportunities right from writing books on it to developing tools around it and yeah. you still were not restricted to that particular field you were also given exposure mm-hmm. because you showed an inclination and interest and even an aptitude uh, one can say towards the ipr aspect so that's absolutely, absolutely. wonderful so you are absolutely satisfied with the kind of work that you are doing and perhaps the pay scale also increases year by year so monetary also there are very little complaints but how does one decide to then say that okay this was my contribution and this was the part of life i'm now ready for a new chapter in my life and then join a new office or do something different so how did you decide that yeah great question so i think by now you would have understood that i am an experimental person so i like i said i want to experiment across the uh, board and as i was working with the law firm of course i got to advise and work with a lot of corporates closely uh, and that's when i decided that i also want to be on that side of the table um, where i am an in house uh, legal teams team member and work as a work for just that company just that company would be the client uh, advise only to them that's when uh, that change of firm happened uh, so no dissatisfaction just looking out for working in another kind of environment team work stream um, so that's when nagaro happened uh, nagaro is is an mnc in the space of it and um, i joined that teams uh, nagaro's uh, corporate legal team in 2015 and um, this this was based in gurgaon i was a part of a three four member team and i was there for about two years um again the experience was wonderful because it was so different from what it was previously uh, just working for nagaro as a client uh, got involved in a lot of their transactions in advising for contracting with clients uh, getting to work directly with uh, the vp of the team it was all a great experience um, but then i think in in the back of my mind i always had that bug of pursuing an mba so i realized that this is the time to do it and i started preparing for my gmat while i was at the company which was really difficult thing to do because as you're working you're expected to give in your 110% and gmat is even more torturous uh, in that sense but yes if if have if you thought about something you work towards it so uh, spend some time lot of time 
preparing for the GMAX, uh, took that and then thankfully, fortunately got an admit into the Indian School of Business, um, which, is, which is one of the top business schools of India and went to Hyderabad for that. The whole process was quite something, preparing for the GMAT and then with that score, uh, preparing. So if I may interject here, yeah. so this was a full-time MBA, I'm presuming. Absolutely. So uh, could you tell us a little bit about your day while you are preparing for GMAT and the days leading towards it? What would a typical day look like? Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. So like I said, Nagaro was in, is an MNC. So it involved working for contracts throughout uh, you know, different regions of the world. So typical day would involve me getting up really early in the morning and start working towards my GMAT prep for let's say the first two hours. And I had also recently gotten married at the time. So the world anyway changed on the personal front also. But thankfully my husband was really supportive and uh, he pushed me towards spending those two hours in the morning for the prep. Then running to office, doing the office thing, uh, coming back and uh, doing the home thing. Uh, And then taking the calls in the night for work, whatever was needed. I made sure nothing was affected on that front. And I decided that even as I decided to write my GMAT, that I would not let my work get affected because uh, that was the primary for me, right? Even if it took a year longer to crack it. So, but then towards the end of the day, again, spend one or two hours towards preparation for GMAT. And that I did about four, four to five months, I think six months. Uh, and then took my GMAT somewhere in September, I think, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a really long time, but I think August or September. That was really my day. So it was a long day and shout out to your husband for cooperating. But but then you straight away jumped from Gurgaon to Hyderabad, new city, new language, and going back to studies and and rigorous studies at that because it's one of the elite institutes for MBA in India. So could you take us through that experience? Absolutely. It was one of its kind, of course. Uh, but that, yes, the decision is really big, right? Because you've been working for so many years. I remember I was, I had been working for five and uh, I've been working for six years till at the time that I went. Um, and then you recently got married. So you also have a husband and a family to convince the move about. Uh, you also are not used to studying so much, right? Day in, day out, because you're no longer a student uh, in your life. So you also have to change that mindset. But then when you get that admit to an institute like that, I think everything changes and you get (laughs) self-convinced. So everything just, I think, fell into place. Um, Thankfully, uh, my husband, Setu, he also agreed to move with me to Hyderabad. And um, we both made that shift, wound up everything in Gurgaon, uh, moved our life to Hyderabad. Um, ISB offers accommodation within the campus. Uh, and for uh, families, they also have like a one BHK studio apartment that you can take and take your family with you. Um, Setu also was able to get a transfer to his office in Hyderabad. So he also moved with me and the whole life sort of uprooted from Gurgaon moved to Hyderabad. But it was great. Like that one year over there, the networks that you create, the faculty that you meet, the coursework that you do, the activities that you indulge in, um, no sleep some tears, a lot of sweat, a lot of um, classes, lectures, a lot of social events. It's it's just everything 
in one in that one year i mean you start a little tired but you end on a high at the end of one year it just seems that it was gone too fast uh, the amazing facilities the campus the professors um the coursework everything was just amazing i think um what what you take away at the end of it is good experience and a wonderful network of friends and professionals for the rest of your life so what was your specialization or honors in mba i did a specialization in strategy but it's a wholesome course in itself you can choose to do one or two uh, specializations uh, and that would mean some extra coursework towards that but otherwise also it's it's a full across the bandwidth course and so two questions here one uh, this is a niggling question what does your husband do <laughs> uh, yes that is that could be a postcard of its own but i'll just quickly tell you uh, he was at the time in into renewable energies he was with an investment firm that invested in uh, solar energy projects after me he also went on to be at isp he also pursued his mba he also <laughs> graduated from there so so you stayed in hyderabad <laughs> yes i stayed in hyderabad for one year after that uh, so that's another story and now he is with a startup and also in the area of strategy uh, he's head of strategy over there so <laughs> so that's that's your first question what was the uh, second this, the second one was actually something that i was wondering about the perspective so what is your perspective comparing say a late teenager joining a law college to a person in late 20s joining a, a, an mba course so what was the change in perspective like oh it's a huge change and this is what makes isb so different uh, is that it accept, accepts students only with a certain or a minimum number of experience uh, years behind them buckets so you the the cohort that you meet at the college is everybody has had some experience uh, working in their fields or their areas of work and that is what they bring to the table in their discussions in the mingles that we have in the networking that we do and the areas of expertise the breadth that everybody is able to talk about which makes it all the more interesting and useful uh, because everybody has you know sort of shape their own opinions on things worked with different things and different areas of work um so with it was the same with me uh, also that i also took my experience of working all those years to um to isb and also found it useful that my cohort also came with that so when you say a, a law student joining a law school at 19 they are really really fresh out of everything uh, it's just just school and they develop all their most of them develop all their opinions right there uh whereas at isb you already have worked a few years and you have some experience of the world the way you world work yeah and then you also of course get influenced by the people over there who already also have some world view so it's a good interaction good networking place so from there do you get placed directly or do you start again and look for a very very different kind of job than you have been doing in the past <laughs> uh that's a tricky question so yes the college helps you with placement uh but it's also like in every other college it's also on you what you are looking for because they of course they help you and they help accelerate the find a job process but uh, it's up to you to decide what you want to do really for yourself in future so uh from there i joined this blockchain firm called nucleus vision and host games which 
which I joined as an ADP for strategy uh, and operations again. And there I was fortunate enough to lead the team, which was a legal team in the space of blockchain, as well as work with the finance teams and other teams in the area of strategy, work very closely with the founder and CEO of the startup uh, as they were building out the whole thing. Um, I was there for a year and that is where I went to from the B school. And this is also a pattern in your life that you are always avant-garde when it comes to uh, the fields that you are choosing. So you chose the corporate <laughs> world when there was new enactment and uh, now you're exploring the areas and you did a diploma in cyber law and now you were do- doing this completely new technology and new law, yes. which people were not even sure back then. I mean, there's still a lot of confusion, but they're not sure yeah. how exactly would you control gaming and blockchain in India? Uh, absolutely that was also my conversation you know uh, when I met the founder first time and nobody was sure of what they're talking about I'm sure he was more sure than me but he was absolutely able to convince me that with some research and guidance from him um, I would be able to add value and I'm glad that I agreed to join the firm it was a good partnership that uh, we had I was there for a year so, but you said that you were there as a person who was mostly involved in corporate strategy, if I'm not mistaken. And also legal. I also handled the legal work of the team. Yes. So that goes when, you know, uh, your dominant um, skill goes along with you. I feel uh, because as a lawyer, of course, they wanted me to be the lawyer as well as whatever else I brought to the table, which I was really okay with, honestly. And is it easy to marry the two, uh, the corporate strategy part and the legal coordinator part? It's not easy, but I found it fun uh, because, you know, you've been a lawyer all your professional life and then uh, you don't want to let it go too. But then you went to B school and then you don't want to let the B school degree be too. So (laughs) if you're able to marry them both, I think for me, it was great. It was a bonanza. Okay. So uh, after you know, spending some time with the startup and helping them grow and establish themselves in the market. Where do you move on to next? Yes. So uh, next I joined BCG Boston Consulting Group. Uh, This was in 2019. I joined the team, uh, the global legal team as uh, an operations manager uh, and recently uh, been promoted to senior manager of global strategy and operations uh, in the global legal team. Here again, my work is, as you called it, a marry uh, relationship between strategy, operations, and legal work. So I manage two teams. Uh, one is a team of lawyers who work on different kind of commercial contracts um, for BCG. Another is a team of operations analysts who work on everything that's operations related to the global legal team, which is very interesting because as a person who who has been a lawyer, who is a lawyer, uh, and also somebody who's done their uh, MBA, it helps me use all of those skills as I manage those teams and as as I work in this global legal team. It's a team of phenomenal professionals who are working from different countries. Uh, The team is based out of different countries, the lawyers and the team members are spread all across the world. So it's a great learning experience. It's a great teaming experience. And what I do basically uh, as a part of my role is to help the whole team adapt to the changes that we bring in terms of whatever the kind of changes they are. 
I help plan for my teams, the kind of work that they are doing. Uh, I help anticipate what's coming up, right? So adapt, anticipate, and then of course collaborate because this, this is a global team. So we have to work collaboratively and ECG thankfully helps and provides that platform for the team to work all together, be a part of a nice big team, learn from each other and grow along with each other and in our old areas. So that is what I currently do uh, for three years now. I've been here for three years. And in three years, you have been promoted to, as you said, senior manager, uh, yep. global strategy operations, as well as legal, which is, I don't even know if that portfolio exists in any <laughs> other place. But could you tell us a little bit about BCG? Because it's a huge place uh, when it comes to mm -hmm. the sheer magnitude. I mean, not that you are not working in big places, but this is at a different scale, if I'm not mistaken. So could you tell us a little bit about what it's like to work in such a big institution and also a little bit about what BCG does? Because some of us may not know what does Boston Consulting Group actually do? Absolutely. So BCG is a management consulting firm, um, one of the top three in the world. And Yes, like you said, it's it's a big place. It's a big company to work for, work in. Uh, so I have been a part of the global legal team for these three years at BCG. And what it is to work for a big firm like this, I think for me, uh, the highlights are one, to be able to work on a global. And if you could see my fingers right now, I was just parenthesizing the global word because it's really... Um, a team that's based across cities, countries, and continents. So you get to collaborate with so many colleagues, take from their experience at so many levels, learn from them, hopefully also teach them, uh, share experiences, and grow together, which is really, really important for me. Two, it, it gives me an opportunity. Like you said, it's a really big firm, but it also gives me an opportunity to understand the various processes that exist in a system, work on change-related products and ideas, work on different or think of different ways to drive efficiency in such a large team, uh, in such a evolving environment. You know, since technology is everything, of course, we are also bringing technology in our teams. So help bring that in, help manage that as a change, work with a lot of data, right? Data is everything today. So uh, this role also helps me fetch data, work with a lot of data, analyze the data, and help me deliver better results. Um, so I think it's it's a lot across the scope. And then in operations, one doesn't think, but if there is such a big legal team, global legal team, there's also a bit of operations that goes along with it. So also being, first of all, understanding what they are really, right? Uh, because it was a new role for me. But now that I'm knee deep in it, I think um just growing with it if you if you know about it there there are huge groups now throughout the world and lots of roles just in the space of legal operations because the legal teams are becoming bigger and bigger and operations are becoming wider and wider and everything needs to be managed properly in processes in terms of technology in terms of products that go with it so inducting new products helping the team adopt to the change with the products, um, the people, the content that's coming in, all of that, uh, that is really around, that is really what it is around um, managing strategy and operations in a legal team. 
and that's absolutely wonderful because not only are you getting exposure to this big big firm but that big firm is involved in so many other businesses and advising so many other businesses that you get to learn so much about what is happening in and around the world like you said whether it's digitization whether it's transformation of businesses whether it's the lean way of working or whether it's scaling up you know you are involved in strategizing so that's absolutely wonderful i can only imagine i mean i don't possess those skill sets uh, to do those things but not at all so absolutely like you know your role is really who your stakeholders are i think because uh, one highlight is that i work i get to work and interact with so many stakeholders across the board right. that again that is something that adds to the width and depth of my role so it's an evolving role and i love how there's so much to do and so much to think about and plan for so suti here uh, i i know of big firms and when i talk about big firms i don't mean by indian standards because in india a big firm would be anything which has three digits as an associate would be a really really big firm but that's minuscule when you look at it from a global perspective and those big firms are actually now employing ceos whether it's for operations or legal managers just to get the flow right get the most efficiency do you think mm-hmm. that is something that indian firms can adopt or you know that's something uh, that is coming up in future here absolutely so uh, like i was mentioning before globally a lot of legal firms now have um ceos or uh, coos just to help manage the operations and strategize the operations for the global legal teams because just as companies grow uh, the legal work that needs to be done with it for it uh, grows and so the team the global legal teams grow and then there is the need for operationalizing everything for that team in terms of the people in terms of in terms of the product that this team uses you know there's so many contract management tools there's so many um contract repository tools there's so many deadline tools there's, there's so many products in the market so really understanding what technology to bring to the team depending on what the team works on having the right kind of people uh, upskilling the people the right way um retaining them developing content content management tools for the team so there is so many around so many things to be done around strategizing and just managing operations for the team it's a lot it's a growing role it's a relatively new if not newborn role um it's it, i think the indian firms are not seeing it as much right now but um there are specialized groups and associations that now are are uh, popularizing and discussing issues around legal operations as a space and a lot of firms if you were to just go on to linkedin um read try to find more roles about it you'll see a lot of firms and big companies are opening up and hiring for these positions um more so now yeah and they pay you really well either a selfish question <laughs> that's objective <laughs> Ah well, of course it is. It is. I'm just saying from an objective point of view. Also, it it's not something to be scoffed at. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so, but yeah. from a selfish point of view, and this is why I started this podcast and call everybody so that I can learn from them. So, what is that one thing that a small firm, a litigator, or a chambers can adopt? Do you think? Do you have a suggestion that these are the things that we absolutely ignore? Because what happens is, uh, and I'll tell you from my perspective. 
some lawyers are absolutely good at working at what they do right or doing what they do which is litigating which is presenting you know filing matters drafting them arguing it before the court and they are good at that but they are not good at the business side of it and they are absolutely worse off when it comes to the operation side of it primarily because we are not trained that way uh, would i be mm-hmm. wrong in saying that uh you're just putting me in a difficult no no i'm just saying that uh, in your experience uh, would you say that some lawyers because we want to do everything on our own and we do not want to uh, you know uh, delegate things so uh, i'm just saying from uh, these perspectives i think it's very very difficult to do everything on your own so would you uh, absolutely and this is something that i have learned is basically yes. I, I, this is something i've learned over a period of time of right. that we do not as um as an individual like to let others do our work right. and that that something might be some that might be something that uh, stops us from growing because if you keep on doing everything there is no space for you to do something more uh, and that can happen only if you let somebody else do a bit of what you are doing uh, and possibly if that's their full time job they might also be able to give it more time more thought and more thinking uh, just to make it a full process or full thing so from your perspective to go to your question yes operations if if you were to think about getting just one person or even 0.5 person you know an existing person's half capacity uh, just dedicated to managing the operations and thinking about planning for the future um, anticipating what's coming up thinking about ways to operationalize what you are doing in terms of record maintenance in terms of of just doing the way that you do the work in terms of digitizing things i definitely think it could help uh, you as a person as a firm to organize things better to make resources more available to the other people in your firm they might be able to learn more from what you have already done and achieved and you might be able to understand what others in your firm are doing uh, not from a point of view of micromanaging just from a point of view of learning from their experiences and understanding what has already been achieved you know so in some areas you might not have to reinvent the wheel because you're now able to see the process of the uh, wheel invention written right there you just have to pick it up from alphabet k instead of a so yes i think it, it there's definitely some value in investing uh, in setting up that function that manages legal operations and operationalizes how everybody in the firm works so would you say that uh, some sort of training in terms of operations and management generally uh, could go a long way in just streamlining the processes that you are implementing in your office because right now things i believe for most people especially a one person team they are very ad hoc so once you increase hmm. the team the communication somehow is uh, i should not say lacking but you know there is some definite it's not structured it's yes, not structured yes. right yes yes you put yeah. it better so yeah so it's it's not just about upskilling it's not just about lnd i think where whereas that is an important part yes but also thinking of tools to bring in that efficiency right so if you were to manage everything through a tool where you would you know put in your case files put in all the precedents that you use just capture that information there maybe somebody else who's working in your firm working on a similar matter in the future would just you know click on or do some search um, on that tool and figure out that 
in the firm already abhas has done this just go to you and say hey i also on the system you worked on this can you just help me it will just save everybody so much time and in turn the firm will save time that is spent on researching for a matter that has already been worked on and that's just one simple example right just keeping your resources organized using technology um and there are so many aspects to operations right simple things like people matters content management it's not just about managing your case it's also about managing the research every lawyer has to do so much research for the the cases that they work on if they were to just collect it or somebody in the team who is working on operations was to just collect it in a more organized way file it under the right keywords make it searchable in a system wouldn't everybody just save time not doing the same research again for the next case that came to this firm i mean depending on different firm depending on what your firm does what your people do there are different kind of operations that can be planned but yes there is so much scope thank you so much so that Uh, serves my purpose, but we'll move on <laughs> to the three brief questions. So these are the three questions that we ask all our guests. With your permission, may I start with these three brief questions? Should I be scared? <laughs> yes, sure. Let's go ahead. I don't think so. But the first one is uh, so. So when I say an inspirational personality in your field, and I'm really interested in what you will answer here because your field is so unique to. you and i don't know many people who are in that field so the question is when i say an inspirational personality in your field what is the first face that comes to your mind and why <laughs> uh i should have been scared uh i i think i cannot take one name uh because like you said you know they are it's just it's it's a niche area and the field is still evolving but definitely i think the people that i work with currently um are the people that i think about in my operations team my manager immediately uh, these are the people that i have been learning from and growing with uh, and being mentored by and they have sort of imbibed in me all of that that i'm learning and implementing right now uh, which is being transparent and clean in your operations which is being true to yourself uh, and which is being an empathetic leader uh there are a lot of people to learn from at bcg and within my team and this is what i have learned uh, from people time and again that as you manage team as you manage people it's the it's in your best interest and their best interest to work collaboratively um and welcome change so yeah i don't think that was a straight answer to your question <laughs> but that was a difficult it, question it was not a straight answer but to put it simply what i say is that the inspirational personality that you mentioned is the personality of your team <laughs> yes <laughs> easy to say that <laughs> okay so uh, you've already touched upon this second question but i have to ask it because that's the question what are the first three ingredients of for success and i'm i'm sure there are many but what do you think are the first three ingredients for success in your field uh i think one be open to change and adapt it as it comes uh because change is really everything in today's world um we've talked us enough about that second is um anticipate and plan for failures and keep your plan b's ready that's it's really important and i don't just say it because i am in the field of strategy and operations and you really always have plan b's over there but because it's really important even in life right to be sure of your plan a is the best thing but to have a backup plan i think is really really important and third is always to be a good 
person, you know, uh, for your team, for your direct reports, for your um, family, right? We often forget in our professional life that what's pushing us ahead is our family, their support. It's an immense contribution that your family has towards what you do and never ever to forget that and always to feel um, gratitude towards it. So the people in your life are really, really important. Always respect them, whether it's workplace or whether the people who are behind you in your family uh, or just somebody who, met, who you met yesterday. Everybody demands respect and rightly so. So the three things you said were, number one, you adapt to new things. Number two, you hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And the third yes. is, the family and the family does not mean only your immediate family it also means the people that you work with absolutely people <laughs> the last of the three brief questions Tati. if there's one mm-hmm. thing you could tell a final year student who wishes to follow in your footsteps say a 20 year old Tuti for sake uh, what would your advice be to that person uh, I think it's easy to guess experiment um just try to give everything that you can a chance if you have the luxury i mean even if you don't have the luxury to experiment with 10 things at least experiment with two because it'll just help you understand those two things differently and help you decide for yourself what really interests you more and what you want to be doing secondly be open to change i mean that goes with what i said first uh, experiment because Everything is changing. You need to change too. You need to adapt to. Um, and as you experiment, everything will just happen to you. So I, I think I've said that enough times in my podcast today. So at, this, at the cost of sounding repetitive, just be open to everything that comes your way. Absolutely wonderful. So the podcast is called Kanuni Kisse. So the last thing <laughs> that we ask of our guests is to either tell us an interesting kissa. Uh, an interesting story from your professional life any anecdote or you could explain a kanun which is you could <laughs> explain any legal concept so what do you choose and this is my final question from my side uh, okay so I would go for the first one an anecdote lovely I, I think I want to talk about an anecdote from my internship days because no reason just because uh, so <laughs> I you was, are the guest uh, you decide <laughs> so I, I was in the um, high court attending one of the hearings um, and of course I was just sitting right behind the counsel I was working with and um, everybody was arguing both the sides were arguing and now this gentleman who was the opposing counsel uh, he comes up and he was very um, with a lot of energy presenting his case his arguments and he wouldn't hear he wouldn't listen to anything, no objections, no questions, not from the judge, not from the, not from our counsel, nobody. And finally, you know, after so many attempts of his lordship trying to interrupt him, trying to calm him down, he just whispered uh, in his breath, courage, right? And he didn't even say it. He just lipsed it. <laughs> this person, he saw that and he stopped. It's like, no, 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 but you can't do that. And for the benefit of people who don't understand Hindi, uh, Karish means dismissed. Dismissed. The case is dismissed. So uh, he stops there and he says, no, but you can't do it. I'm still presenting my arguments. So his lordship, of course, he was very smart. He says, so you do hear me, right? I was just (laughs) trying to test that. I did not even say the word and you read my lips. And that incident just stays with me. It was so easy to get this uh, gentleman's attention. 
but a fun moment in the courtroom and just something that told me not everything is serious sometimes and you just have a lot of fun in these tiny moments at work um then yes of course it was not dismissed everybody argued but he was more receptive to everybody after that it's a good day yeah but just man to share today absolutely wonderful and those are the incidents that you live for in litigation i know i did say the it was it would be my last question but with you permission could you just answer mm-hmm. you sometimes miss the days in the courts because you had been in the courts throughout the early part of your career and now yeah. you are somewhat detached from that on Definitely. a daily basis so totally detached yes <laughs> so do you miss that uh, uh, you know you know and what is it that you miss the most if you do uh on a lighter note i think delhi high court ke samosay uh, but uh but in the most please come over sometimes think... i'll be happy to treat you with that chole <laughs> samosay uh so but on a more serious note i think i am by kerisi living that life through my friends who i am still in touch with who still practice in the courts friends like yourself you know i can uh, hear our tones from you i can hear your stories i can um and that is why i the respect the or the strength of networking one should always be in touch stay in touch with all their friends and professional colleagues so uh i i wouldn't say professionally no i do not miss the courts going to the courts but definitely i miss those stories which i like i said i vicariously lived that life through my friends who are still practicing in courts and i think that's just fine for me at the moment on that note you have been a wonderful guest and i would like to thank you for that and and you have been a wonderful host uh, uh, although you just you so put much. me on the spot a few times <laughs> but thank you so much for having me <laughs> that's the hazard of the profession what can i say uh, but, <laughs> but uh, thank you so much thank you so much for taking out time from your busy busy schedule you know you're super busy i'll put in uh, without even taking your permission i'll put in your linkedin profile uh, for someone who wishes to get in contact with you uh, you know for future with of course due respect i mean please all the audiences she's extremely busy please respect her time if she uh, reaches back to you and guides you in her spare time please respect and appreciate that she is doing it for you if she is not able to do it please appreciate that she still wants to do it but cannot do it for each and every one of you Uh, Absolutely. Thank you for mentioning that, Avas. I just want to add one quick point over here yes, because I know yes. we are running out of time. No. Anybody who reaches out to anybody and not just me should always include a message in their LinkedIn request asking for time and asking for the reason for reaching out because otherwise it's just like a cold call and somebody might just reject it. If you just included one line in the message for the request for connection that I want to talk to you about X Y Z. people will answer so that goes the same with me please do reach out i'm absolutely open to help but helpful if you can add a line about why you want to reach out and what you want to chat about thank you for having me abhas uh, it's been wonderful thank you for coming over <laughs> done thank you so much thank you so much thank you for sparing time again it was wonderful having you bye 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 this was long overdue i hope you enjoyed it in case you wish to follow or reach out to stuti तो उनकी लिंक्डइन एंड इंस्टा प्रोफाइल मैं डिस्क्रिप्शन में शेयर कर रहा हूँ हमारे सोशल मीडिया हैंडल्स भी आपको वहीं मिल जाएंगे ईश्वर ने चाहा तो फिर मिलेंगे तब तक के लिए इजाज़त दीजिए थैंक यू फॉर लिसनिंग दोस्तों आज के टॉपिक से रिलेटेड आपका कोई सवाल डाउट या सजेशन हो और इफ यू वॉन्ट टू शेयर सम स्टोरी प्रॉब्लम और कन्फ्यूजन ऑफ योर लाइफ यू कैन फॉलो एंड रीच आउट टू अस on twitter at abhas mishra 
or connect with us on LinkedIn. Until next time, goodbye, stay tuned and stay blessed.